Some say he's a technical whiz. Some say he was born in Cornwall. While some say he's on a journey. It's the journey. And here's your host, David Hackett. Welcome, another journey. And today we are going to, and I'm going to choose which one because I've been given free bias, but I'm going to read the top one. Isha Abrams is an internationally acclaimed master attorney mediator with a unique talent to manage big egos and strong personalities and a keen ability to create synergy amongst the most diverse personality types, driving them towards agreement by Alden for calm. She has created settlements worth billions of dollars, serving clients saving clients billions more using their innovative approaches to deal-making, specializing in crafting innovative solutions for complex or difficult matters. Each of us involved resolved thousands of cases, both large and small, in every conceivable area during her career, including over the secret recipe for Pepsi. Now, I'm not going to ask for that. Um, this is how she differed. That was a fun one. Yeah, I know. I had to say that. <laughs> This is how she developed old in the calm and insightful, practical, and easy to use toolkit, forged in the trenches of resolving human conflict that identifies the secrets that will enable you to know how to approach every situation to prevent explosions, disarm conflicts, settle cases, and reduce drama. Alden for Calm, which we'll talk about, and you can see in the background when she talks, is he shows contributions to our, make our world, our businesses, and our relationships a little less acrimonious and a little more harmonious. Welcome to the journey. Excellent. And I read that as quickly as I could because I know interviews can be intense. So that's the intense bit of... Uh, now, my joke is, what's the secret about Pepsi? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Everybody should write their own introduction for a speech. And then years ago, I did some hospice work. Hmm. And part of hospice training is they make you write your own obituary, which is a very interesting thing to do. Hmm. It brings up a lot of feelings and a lot of thoughts and regrets and hopes and uh I found it to be a very interesting journey, just that exercise. Mm. So that is very interesting. And this is where I always start. And now you said about riding the pitch race. My joke is when I say, how does your journey begin? Yes, we are born. So you can see why, why that joke is why it's a joke. Because, yes, you are born. That is your start of your journey. But what's your earliest memory possible apart from being born obviously but none remembers being born because that's too young but how's your earliest memory i didn't have a great upbringing and a great childhood so i have very few memories excuse me it's funny just talking about that my throat closes down oh goodness so i think i don't i think i blocked a lot of it out I remember being three and in a, a stairwell of an apartment and being hungry. And the neighbor invited me in and gave me baked beans. And I wasn't like born impoverished or anything like that, but they didn't have a lot of money. But I never really felt loved, taken care of. Um, 
safe, supported, any of that good stuff that, you know, hopefully I did for my own kids, my own grandkids. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm good at what I do as a, as a peacemaker is I'm not a kumbaya, you know, let's all get along person. Cause that's just not the real world. I know how to deal with dragons and you have to slay dragons in order to be able to get along in life. And um, I think that and a lot of therapy and a lot of personal growth uh, has been instrumental to me on my journey. Mm. Um, I always joke, like when I'm talking, I'll say, you know, you were born butt naked and alone and we will die butt naked and alone, you know, ultimately when Mm. you're leaving the body or you're entering the body and what you do in between really is the journey. And uh, I'm a big believer in people get different hands. Someone gets all aces, someone gets garbage cards, but the key of life is how you play your hand. Yeah. Whatever it is you've got, how are you going to play it? And it's also how you pay, play your poker face because you don't want people to exploit you. So you've got to show that poker face to say, I'm okay. And you've got to say, I'm okay. It's how you say, I'm okay. <laughs> right. That's really important too because – you know, you can keep people on a need-to-know basis. You don't have to cut your heart out and give it to absolutely everyone. People have to be worthy before they get to the inner recesses of the temple, mm. you know? So there's nothing wrong with with doing that and being protective of yourself because we've all been hurt. We've all been kicked in the mouth. You know, even people that it looks like they haven't been, you know, they have as well. They just have risen above it for whatever reasons they have. So the key to the individual journey is so unique and so individual. And I I personally am a God person. You know, I think that religions are just languages. It's silly to say that Chinese is better than Spanish, better than French, better than English. It's just it's just a language. So I divide the world into either deists or non-deists. Either you're somebody who believes in a supernatural power that influences your life, or you're somebody that says either I don't care, or I don't know, or it's not relevant to me. And for people that are deists, which I am, I Albert Einstein said that uh, you can either live as if everything is magic or nothing is magic. And I choose to live as if everything is magic. I think it just makes life richer. And I choose to believe that God knows what I ate for breakfast. And it um, I find it very comforting and very supportive and, you know, keeps me on the right path. Mm-hmm. And I want to snark back at somebody or spit back, you know, you're stupid. I think those things, I'm not, I'm not a saint just because I've been doing this a long time. I have the same feelings everyone else does. Mm. I think I just have a better governor on my mouth. Hopefully, (laughs) except for the few times when I make a mistake, too, because, you know, we're all human. I'm tired. I'm cranky. You piss me off enough. You poke me hard enough. My bear will awaken. (laughs) And that's normal to be like that, because it wouldn't be the true human emotion to show those emotions. Because why? And I've learned this over the years myself. You learn how to be yourself without 
you know, yeah, you can have the barriers, but at the same time, you still got to be yourself, and that is the true meaning. A journey is about being you, identifying you and where you are going on that journey. And like I said, you can't be a straightforward, and this is how I describe it for American listeners, viewers, you're on a freeway. You can't always be on a straight and now on a freeway. You've got to turn left. You've got to turn right. You've got to go off that slip road just to get to somewhere. Mm. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's just, and it's sort of the whole lesson of life, you know, it's not people will, you'll, you'll say, you know, what's the meaning of life and what's the purpose of your life? And people will say it's to be happy. And all the studies in neuroscience show that that's actually not, it's not that it's not accurate. It's not complete. People are happy when they give, when they contribute, when they help each other, when they're part of a community. I mean, I know a lot of very wealthy people that are just miserable. Mm. I mean, I mediate, I mediate, I've been mediating 40 years. I've no, I'm in the inside of giant corporations marriages, friendships, associations, and groups, and people who often have the most money and good looks and a charming life are taking all kinds of drugs to numb out the pain, don't have good relationships with their kids, don't have good relationships in general, have worthiness issues of themselves. Just what you see on the outside is not at all indicative of somebody who's really happy and content. And there's a Jewish saying in a book called Pirkei Avot that I love that says, uh, uh, it's who is happy? Uh, the one who is satisfied with their lot. And it doesn't mean I don't want constant improvement, but I like the idea that Happiness and contentment are accepting your life, improving where you can, contributing where you can, creating community where you can. That's contentment. And it has nothing to do with money or charm or good looks or hair or height or boobs or any of the other things that people pay money to try to get because they think it'll make them happy. Yeah. And it's a good example, you know, about putting your mark on the place. You said about community. I've always believed in the sense of community because when I did the previous job, I used to volunteer on a community radio station. Now, that's different than a normal mainstream FM radio because the normal mainstream radio is uncorporate, I'm this, you've got to follow that policy, you've got to follow that rule. But community radio per se still has those rules, those boundaries, those guidelines. Yeah, but, but it's about yep. the community and it's focused mainly on the community. Yeah. And the and the ethos of this radio station, and I'm still old and proud in my life because I wouldn't be interviewing now. But you know, community radio was a sense of being a family, and just from one person's little bit of imagination, made a radio station from being online community radio. Mm. To becoming an FM radio, where you can listen to it now, it's not 
everywhere. You can get it on the app, which makes it everywhere. But it started from a small speck, and that small speck is now covering the what you know a far range of area in the small space of area. But it's a good people that are, you know. It's like the joke that I don't want to be a member of a club that would have me, you know, kind of a thing is that community radio and these kind of podcasts, you're reaching people that need to be reached and that need to feel like they have a home. Mm. And, you know, like we all say to our kids, you don't want to run around with a bad crowd because they will influence you. You will get pulled in a wrong direction if you hang out with a bad crowd. And I think that's what happens to people. They go into the dark web or evil stuff and they just get sucked in. So it's so important to have a have something like this, a podcast like this, that you can have, you feel hope and you can feel like you belong and that you matter. Because in the end, that's where I think people go nuts. Why you have mass shootings, people so angry and upset is they just they just don't feel like they matter. And they have to find a way to matter. You have found a way to matter with this podcast. People listening to us now are finding a way to matter, that what they think is important, how they believe is important, their kindness can get magnified by connecting with other people. I mean, we could have someone listening to us right now that is in the depths of despair and depression and is glimmering hope from what we're talking about, or somebody who was just filled with happiness and joy and is listening to us and it just magnifies what's going on for them. You know, the beauty is you just don't know. And that's what makes it, I think, yeah. a magnificent journey because yeah, you don't yeah. know yet. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I've always said every journey is unique because it will, it's yeah. so on in a different way. Like our talking now could be, different than the previous podcast where I interviewed so they could so on in such a way that will resonate deeply mm-hmm. because I try and include all areas and try to be inclusive as possible. Mm-hmm. So I learned to be free speech where you can be free of speech. Yes, there are boundaries. I have to respect that. So I try and avoid the, you know, crossing that line. I do talk of it, for example, political stuff. Now, that's the stuff that people don't like talking about, or people got strong opinions, as you know. But I know. I love, I love talking politics because I can handle different opinions. I have friends that are very liberal, and I have friends that are very conservative, and they both say, I can't talk to other people, but I can talk to you because I'm willing to listen. And I can give our listeners a little trick. Let's say you're talking to somebody, and they are just saying something you know, let's say you want a woman's right to choose and somebody else says abortion is murder and you can't, you cannot talk to that person at all. So before it gets hot and really intense, you just look at them and you think, would this person pull my kid out of a burning car? And if the answer is yes, then there's something redemptive about them. And in neuroscience, that's called a paradigm shift. And it literally changes the wiring in your brain. Mm. so I make stuff up all the time. If I have to deal with someone and they're getting my goat and they're aggravating me, I'll make up a little story in my head. Oh, he's being rude because his girlfriend just dumped him. Or, 
you know, she is so difficult because her mother's in the hospital with cancer. It doesn't matter if it's right or not. It rewires my brain so I can get out of my fear and negativity center of my brain, which is the amygdala, and pull out and make some choices. What do I choose to do? How do I choose to behave? And it gives me a sense of power, which reduces fear, reduces hopelessness, and makes you feel like you've got power, you've got abilities. And that is when people feel hopeless and in despair and in depression, when mm. they feel powerless and they feel like they have no options and choices. So either you get some options and choices if you can, but if you can't, you make it up, literally make it up. And it changes the neuroscience of your brain. It's really quite amazing. And it's about adapting to that change as well, because when you do think it's a split second choice in your mind thinking, okay, and then you flip it and your mind does flip quickly. And it's about adapting quickly because some people might say, I can't do it, but it does happen just like. Just like that. Well, I'll give people a little trick. Let's say someone's listening to us and they say, oh, that's stupid or that's not true or I couldn't do it. I'll give them a little trick. Smile. When you literally lift up your cheeks and you smile, it changes neurotransmitters in your body. And then you frown like that. Walk around frowning. You'll be miserable. You just will be. So walk around with a stupid smile that you don't feel like it and you don't want to. <laughs> and it's fake and it's irritating and it's annoying, but I'm going to do it. Interestingly, your mood starts to shift. It's such an interesting, subtle thing. It's the whole glass half empty, glass half full thing. It's true. It's your perspective. And if people that have a negative perspective, which I had had in my life, I had to learn to overcome it will find evidence to prove that life sucks. Mm. Glass is half empty. The man's against us. No one can get a fair shake. Ugh, what does this always happen to me? Those kind of sentences, you could say them. You could find objective facts to probably support them. But my question is, how does that serve you? How does that serve you? So if you every time you catch yourself saying something negative, you stop and you turn it into a positive or at least turn it into a neutral. You will find that you actually change the resonance frequency of your body. They've actually proven this in labs and then more good stuff happens to you. Now I'm not silly like it's the secret and you manifest, you know, that kind of stuff. This is just pure, simple neuroscience. I mean, tell a dog, I hate you. You're ugly. You're stupid. You're a horrible dog. That dog, just with words, that dog's not going to be cuddly and loving up to you. You tell that dog, oh, you may be ugly, but I love you. I just love you. You're just a sweetie peety and I just want to play with you. That dog's going to be loving. Mm. We're the same thing. There's a, you know, my favorite flower is a sunflower because it's heliotropic. No matter how you plant it, it will turn toward the sun. And I think that we are lovotropic. We turn toward validation. We turn toward approval. And that's why people get into cults and bad groups of friends and gangs because they don't have anything else and they just need approval. They need mm -hmm. some level of validation. And if I go you know, beat somebody up and the group approves of me, well, you get a dopamine hit and you've been approved of. 
The question is, what can you do that's going to get you dopamine hits that aren't bad, that aren't going to put you in prison or get you addicted or make you feel bad about yourself? Yeah. And about, Everybody knows what those are. And about self-validation, because you have to self-validate yourself more than actually self-validating yourself amongst others. You're correct. And think about how often people validate themselves with the bad stuff. I can't tell you the number of times I've had people say something happens and they go, oh, that always happens to me. And I'm thinking, well, you're just making it happen more. Why, why do that? I mean, the glass is half full or half empty, the same amount of liquid, same amount of liquid. And you just say to yourself, I'm going to be a half full person. I'm just going to be. That's how I'm going to choose to live my life and what I'm going to choose to do. And, you know, you're, you're, you're still aware. I'm not stupid. I have car insurance. I drive with my seatbelt. If someone's nasty, I avoid them. You know, I don't go bad places. My mother used to say, you know, nothing good happens after midnight. You know, I pay attention to those kinds of things. So you're not being stupid, but you can try to influence your environment. And just by trying to influence it, that gives you a sense of power. It calms your amygdala, which is the fear and negativity center in the brain. It calms it the heck down. Mm. And then you feel better and you can breathe. And now more choices are there, more options are there. How nice is that? I agree. So going into the present, we talk about your book, Olden for Calm. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I've seen the cover briefly, even in the background where you are now. The cover is like a water, I assume it is, a water effect. And yes. and I like that because it's the calmness of the stillness of the water that does hold things together. Yes. Now, now, you could easily flip the book over and easily see a stormy water, but that doesn't make sense for what we're talking about. So what made you write this book? Well, I've been doing this for 40 years. I have tricks. I know things to do. And I thought everybody needs to have access to this, not just lawyers, not just top negotiators, not just people at Google. And I mean, those are clients of mine. Those are the people that I work with. Why should only the elite have access to some basic interpersonal skills? And we don't teach them in schools, you mm. know, like I've given some examples, plural pronouns. When there's a problem, instead of I say, David, what are you going to do about it? Instead, I say, and I can do, I can use the same harsh tone, David, what are we going to do about it? Completely shifts the analysis, completely shifts the conversation. You're more willing to help me if I use we and our than if I say you and yours, or me, and I. It's just such a subtle little thing. There's another one that um, with men, particularly the women listening to this will like it because it doesn't work as well on women. It seems to work on men, which is interesting. So when you ask a man to do something, you say, would you do that? Will you do that? Instead of can you do that? Or could you do that? And that just sounds so silly, right? So silly. There have been studies after studies after studies. And so ask the men in your life, ladies, uh, if you say to a man, could you take out the garbage versus would you take out the garbage? 
women think that's a stupid question. Just take out the damn garbage, right? But ask a bunch of men and you'll find 90% of them say, would you, gives them more power, gives them a sense of that they're doing something for which you will be grateful, where can and could makes them feel a little bit like they're ordered about. So, I mean, these are just subtle little things. And I, mm. I made the book full of them and I put in sentence stems and I just put in things that you can do right now that you don't have to get a master class or take an advanced degree or you don't need any of that stuff. It's a quick, easy read. What can I do right now to make things a little bit better so that when conflict happens, because it does, what can I do? How can I, how can I make my life a little easier? So that's why I wrote it. And I just like how it does say, you know, those simple instructions where it makes a man in his own way feel validated without the pressure or that makes the woman feel like I have got some sort of authority because it equalizes the neutrality between either mm. balance. So if you read it as a couple, it can make a valid point for both, not just the one individual. Yes, it's we are. I will tell you, I work with CEOs of giant corporations in $5,000 suits with $30,000 watches on their hands. And they're exactly the same as the guy who's fixing your internet or the waiter at the store. It's just a person trying to play the hand they're dealt, trying to be happy, trying to feel meaningful, trying to feel successful. It's exactly the same. Mm. And the question is, how can you do it better for you? And then the corollary to that is, how can we deal with all the jerks and morons out there? Because there's a lot of them. And the jerks and morons are really just misunderstood also. Because if I've not been taught how to handle anything, and uh, or I don't understand, or I'm a little selfish, or tired, or narcissistic, or angry, or hungry, or fill in the blank, I may just bark at you. David, what is wrong with you? Why aren't you doing this? And now you're going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wasn't my fault. Didn't do it. You didn't tell me. I didn't know. Who the heck do you think you are to talk to me like that? And then it's called the blame, defend, justify, death dance. And it happens between relationships, between friends, coworkers, uh, Congress. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's human beings are bumper car ego. That's all we are. And so yeah. being able to create a little moat around yourself so that you are not smashed so much is a way to a healthier, easier life. And just learning some of these tricks and tools is just really helpful. You know, I, one more analogy if I may, is that if you drip spaghetti sauce on the counter and it's wet, you wipe it up with a sponge, it's no big deal. You leave it overnight, you're scraping it off with a spatula. You leave it three or four months or three or four years, it's old and moldy and nasty. So the question is, why don't we wipe it up when it's wet? We hmm. know. And that's why I called the book Holding the Calm, The Secret 
to resolving conflict and diffusing tension, which here, let me show you, because it's kind of a long title and I really didn't want it to be this long, but every single conflict, every single one starts with tension. Everyone. And so tension is the wet spaghetti sauce. Why don't we wipe it up? We don't know. We're scared. We don't know how they'll react. Maybe it'll go away. So we just don't deal with it and it becomes conflict. Hmm. So the more you understand and the more you can step in and wipe the spaghetti sauce up when it's wet, the more powerful you will feel, the more you can control some of what happens in your environment, the more you can hold the calm for yourself so you don't get into that blame, defend, justify death dance thing. It's just some great stuff. I call it magic beans. It's like having magic beans. <laughs> and I assume the book is available right now. Well, available on most bookstores. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, Amazon, Walmart, Target, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble. I mean, anywhere they sell books. And I have a website, holdingthecalm.com. And I just want to get this message out. So I just have all kinds of free stuff on there free podcasts, webinars. I've done little one minute videos that on various topics people can have. And every month, if you sign the mailing list, I don't sell it. I don't do anything with it. I just, you know, send out stuff as I'm thinking about it with what's going on in the world and how it might be easier for people. And that's why the book really is holding the calm is that never in the history of calming down, has anyone ever calmed down by being told to calm down? Mm. And yet that's what we do. Calm down, calm down. It just makes you feel awful. So what you do is you hold the calm for yourself or for somebody else. And it's magic beans. It's just magic beans. So to conclude, we've pretty much explained it in the way we spoke, but how would you make a person feel inspired by taking forward what they what heard or seen today what a lovely question david i would say say to yourself what is my superpower and what is special about me so in this conversation say to yourself like david i ask you what is special about you what's your superpower my answer probably would be just being there for people when I have to be, but that's not a superpower, but I, people could say it is because I'm in now. Well, I would reframe that and say you're reliable, you're dependable, you have high character, and a very caring heart. See how nice that is? Hmm. And we can do that for ourselves. Take whatever it is you think you're good at and make it into adjectives and look in the mirror and say, that's who I am. That's who I am. It doesn't matter what someone else thinks of me or someone else's opinion. It doesn't matter if I'm rich or poor, fat or thin, healthy or not healthy, tall or short. It doesn't matter. What do I think of myself? And you are in 100% control of that question, 100% control. And a lot of times we've been bad parents to ourselves. 
So uh, being able to look at it and say, this is what I like about me. And this is what I'm going to do more of and bring it into the world. And I'm going to protect it. I'm going to protect it from storm and pestilence and wild beasts and make sure it's there for me. And then to give it to anybody within my little circle of influence. That's what I would say. And I I do that myself. (laughs) It's been a pleasure talking to you about your journey today. Let's hope the calm will resolve itself within people when they take forward. Holding the calm is good and about objectively thinking positive. Marvelous. Marvelous. I've enjoyed it too, David. Thank you for doing what you do for people. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was The Journey, hosted by Wise Words Imaging, hosted by David Hackett. Be sure to like, subscribe and listen to another journey coming soon.